right. Keep it based on podcast. Talking about the Charlemagne Joe Budden pull up uh, year end review talk. Great interview on YouTube. You didn't even talk. like it. You said it sucked. I listened to the first fifteen minutes while I was trying not to fall asleep. Yeah, you're not a hip hop guy, but I kind of like the gems they take, and I learn from the knowledge. Not really about the hip hop news. I don't really give a fuck about Quavo and Cardi B or whatever. Offset. Same. I didn't even know those were beefs. No, not beefs. They're dating. Uh, I'm saying all the B. beefs they were talking about. I had no idea they were beefs. Yeah, but anyway, networks over cre- uh, networks versus creating on your own. Uh, Charlemagne pretty much said, like I've been saying, by the way, and Schultz takes these philosophies too, believe it. Networks are in trouble. They have to understand that people can create content without them. They could do it by themselves and that people have their own following. If anything, those creators are helping networks more than networks helping creators. And Joe Budden was talking about what Steve Harvey does now. He was beefing with the network. I think it was NBC. A lot of people are beefing with NBC. A lot of black uh, entertainers. Not good. Racist, maybe. Just kidding. (laughs) But Steve Harvey, what Steve Harvey does now, he's beefing with a network, so he just took all his stuff and put the clips on Facebook and YouTube and made money off of that, which is pretty much like, fuck the network, I don't need that TV show. And it's an example of an old school guy doing what's hot now. Like, the move now is to put your platform out on the internet so people can watch move. it whenever. And uh, pretty much they were talking about how you shouldn't kiss ass or compromise for the networks. And uh, let's talk about Schultz in Riding the Wave. Shout out <clears throat> Schultz for the announcement of his new stand-up special at the L.A., uh, for uh, Orpheum, whatever it's called. Good, good job. <laughs> and he was like, he was put, there was a tweet how like he was pretty much insinuating that Netflix or a fan was saying that Netflix stole his idea of putting clips on YouTube now. Right. When originally like Schultz took the idea. Wait, from, who said this? Button? Did no, he say this is name? different. This is, this is just uh, relating to networks. Yeah. This is different the Schultz tweet I talked about. So right now I'm talking about Schultz. Okay. How Schultz is uh, pretty much network is riding the wave that Schultz created. But I don't believe Schultz really created that. And it was already around in hip hop, like your Vlads and all that other stuff, and how other hip hop people have done that, put stuff on YouTube. It's like not like you know he didn't. It's not rocket science. He didn't create like invent anything crazy. He just took something and he put it the, put it everywhere else, like yeah. he put it on different platforms. And I feel like people just see others doing it on social media. So like I feel like a, like a social media Netflix guy was probably like, yo, well, these comedians are putting clips out on YouTube. Uh, let's just uh, do this too to get more attention and views out because they have like Netflix is funny now on YouTube. You see how they like put well, clips out. Yeah, but they, yeah, but they've been doing that. But in terms of putting out clips, uh, videos with subtitles and clips, it's nothing. It's nothing new. I mean, it's new generally, but for the most part, like Schultz wasn't the first one to do it. But I mean, in terms of Schultz's new special is coming out with comedy dynamics. Since, like we said, we all know the Schultz come up story. Great, he's blowing up. He's a huge influence. This, that, and the third. He got rejected by all the networks in the first place, and he pitched his first special for what he thought it was worth, and he got rejected from everyone. So now that he blew, went, did the YouTube, blew up himself, all the networks are like, oh, and they hit him up. Then uh, Netflix hit him up to do Degenerates. He said no because he he knows he can he doesn't need it. And now he's finally coming out with, I guess this is his third, because it was his third special, he had 444, and then Views from the Sis, and then um, the crowd work. And now he's going to be doing this one with comedy dynamics, because this is what happened. They came to him, offered him, he said, no, I just did these two specials and I blew up on my own. I'm worth even more than I initially asked for. Now he's worth, I don't know the number, now I'm worth this. You give me this, this is what I'm worth. Netflix probably said no. Whoever else probably said no. Comedy Dynamics realizes what an entity Schultz is, how he's blowing up. People love him. People are calling him an entrepreneur, you know, whatever, this, that, and the third. Okay, we'll give it to you. They're seeing that in him and realizing we need to ride with someone like Schultz because, let's be honest, Comedy Dynamics is a great network, comedy network. I've never heard of it my entire life. You, you don't. You never heard of it if you're not comedy. The thing with Netflix is it's uh, it's 
You, it's he, mainstream. If, if Anyone's went, heard of Netflix? Everyone's <clears throat> heard of Netflix. If you went back, you've only heard of Comedy Dynamics if you know comedy. If you went back to Netflix, you looked like an idiot. No shit. That and Netflix part and Netflix part didn't offer what he, and Netflix part didn't offer him what he thinks he's worth Probably. or what what he asked for. Like Monique, which is more than what he initially asked for. Yeah, and, like Monique. And I just want to say Schultz interview. He talked about how Tony Hawk wasn't the first skater doing all that, but he got popular. It's always like the third or fourth guy who makes it big from using someone's like formula. You know, I really believe that actually in a way. I think he was right about that in our interview. He talked about that. So like, it's very interesting how like. You might be the first guy into doing something, pioneering it, but in reality, like the guy after you who copied your idea might make it, and you might not, or you—I mean, both will. But it's very interesting how that concept can work. Keep it basement. Talking about the uh, hip hop weekly yearly wrap up. What is it? The hip hop wrap up yearly wrap up with Joe Budden, Charlemagne on the pull up on Joe Budden's uh, YouTube. I was telling you gems today. I was saying that Charlamagne was trying to get the Breakfast Club uh, YouTube page popping, right. and the he was like f- trying to get iHeart to get on board the corporation he works for, the radio station Breakfast Club, and they're being hesitant. And then all of a sudden, the Birdman thing went viral, and then the Hillary Clinton hot sauce thing, and then they finally made it. But Joe Bowen was like, "Yo, you're hustling ass backwards. You should just made your own page and got your money instead of giving it to the corporation." He's like, "I know, but at the time, I was trying to help the Breakfast Club out and trying to work them up to the best radio show." They've been doing it for 10 years, about to be 10 years next December, and you could tell the time is coming where it's going to end soon. But Charlemagne's like, I don't look at it that way because we did so much and we like did so much in the game with it. And like he's like, black people love to hate on other black platforms and people and like want it to end. I don't know why y'all going to hate. And uh, Joe Bunn was just laughing about it and they were talking about it. I mean, he can't be mad. Breakfast Club made his career, like made him this level. Wasn't yeah, he, New York he, City did at least. Wasn't he broke at his mom's house right before the Breakfast Club? Yeah, it's kind of wild, ain't it? And Phil, yeah, because he got fired in Philly and stuff. Or just, you know, maybe Jay-Z did it. Who knows? But the, the crazy thing about it is um, just what he was saying, how Arsenio Hall was telling him that he's the new Arsenio Hall because he's people come to your radio show in New York, you interview somebody famous, they get promote, promotions and, you know, promote it. And then that goes on YouTube, and they can watch it anytime throughout the day. They don't have to wait for late night. They don't have to watch it a certain time. The YouTube platform is what's great. Right. And, and he, made me, he made me get some gems. He made me realize he has a radio show, and radio's never going to die, he says, but it, I think it could. Who said he, radio's never going to die? He said radio's just going to be the way it is, but what, what they have to do is change the approach and put po- make it podcasting, YouTube, and other stuff. He's like, Breakfast Club's a radio show at the end of the day, but we're also a podcast. We get top 10 podcast numbers, and also our YouTube channel. We get, we get money off the YouTube. And he was saying... That creators, and I think this is what Schultz did, and a lot of comedians should listen. They change; they have to change their approach. They can't be old school mentality. They have to be the new school mentality, where they're taking their product or their service or their talent, and they're amplifying it on different platforms. Mm-hmm. He's like, pretty much at the end of the day, like keep it basement, like you said, we're more than a podcast. It's a show concept. Keep it basement, right? And it could be like a late night talk show. It could be like an interview show, or it could be like a, com- a comedy stuff. And at the end of the day, it's all different stuff. Whether it's a TV show, whether it's a podcast, whether it's you know a YouTube show, it's all the same thing. What's the thing about uh, that's the thing about YouTube or internet? Like uh, you go watch a, po- a Breakfast Club interview on YouTube, and it probably has more views than it did that day from the actual radio listenership. Like in your car, you never know. It's like why a Rogan episode has more hits than somebody who watches Tonight Show every night. Tonight Show probably gets like six, seven hundred thousand views a night. Rogan's millions. And and like it was a decade wrap up, right? And Charlman was like kind of bragging about like the Arsenio Hall thing, which is kind of cool, but like. He has a good point. Like, Arsenio Hall's an OG in the game, old school mentality, talk show host, comedian, actor, coming to America, all that, you know. And for him to tell Charlemagne, like, yo, you're the new me, is legendary. I think he's way better. Who? Charlemagne. Well, anyway, Arsenio Hall goes, you're the new me. You're giving a platform to people who are creators. You're amplifying their stuff. You're helping promote people. Do you understand, like, when you go to the Breakfast Club and you sell, you bring a book, like, that book sale goes, like, number one, like, mm-hmm. in hip, like, hip-hop or wherever anyone comes on. And, like, Charlemagne's cool where he's getting the guest. 
Look, don't get me wrong. Angela Yee and DJ Envy are cool, but Charlamagne is, Charlamagne are, is getting these guests, whether they're black activists or whether they're like New York Times bestseller, nerdy white guys, or depending on whoever it is, he's getting these people to come on and he's promoting their platform and also people... He's getting new views. He's smart as fuck. He's getting new view. He's getting new viewers too, who are going to listen like some nerdy white guy selling a book. Now they're going to be fans of the Breakfast Club because they like Charmaine's interview skills. Like me, yeah. yeah. Um, the thing that the thing that triggered me the most was because like Budden was fighting about how mm. he became the best. He's like the best interviewer now, and he was like, he was like, yeah, but people weren't asking those groundbreaking breaking questions. So I, I came what on the, the fuck is he and talking he, about? He's saying this to Charlemagne. I'm like, Charlemagne asks the questions. It's him and Stern. They ask the top questions. Okay, are you insane? I don't get. I got that. so mad, and I don't he even. Was, I don't even know Bun or, or like li- yeah. know much about so him. So Joe, Joe Bun was saying he asked people are asking. I actually generic, listened to Charlamagne interviews. Yeah, he was asking generic questions before his interviews, and I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Maybe like a certain demographic who don't know who Oprah is, who don't know who Howard Stern is, who don't know who uh, legendary interviews are, or who don't know who Charlamagne is. Like, what is he talking about? Like, because mm-hmm. I thought that was funny too, and I told you, I voice memoed you it like. You know what's crazy? Like we're gonna make it one day. Like say if I make it as an interviewer or like a personality or anything or a comedian or like what or if you do too or we both do. It's weird because someone's gonna be like, "Yo, you copied this guy. You copied Joe Budden's podcast because they have organic talk and talk about hip hop." And it's like, That's fine. nah, like I don't. That they don't even inspire me really. But like I respect what they do. But it's like, say that because they're the biggest at that time. Yeah, it's like not fair though because you've been putting that work in for ten years or before their podcast was even popping. So how could you say that that influenced you? You know what I'm saying? It's like they we weren't be- around for that, so they have no way of knowing. That. I know, but like Joe Bun's acting like that. He's get yeah, everyone's influenced by him when it's not true, but everyone will listen to you. But like, if I'm doing, if I'm a radio personality since 2007 and your podcast got hot in 2015, how the fuck is it where I put all this work in? Am I influenced by your interview skills? Like. It, it kind of fucked up because it's kind of like him saying that Biggie, Tupac, Jay-Z didn't influence rappers and Joe Budden was the creator of hip-hop. He's acting like mm. he just started this and it was like the creator of it all when it's been going on for like fucking 10 years and like other people have been doing it like Joe Rogan, Charlemagne, like other different people. And it just made me realize like there's no really creative concept anymore. It's just like you have X amount of followers and social media popularity and you could pull off this concept compared to a guy sitting in his basement doing a podcast who's unknown to the culture or global audience. Mm-hmm. So it's like the work we're putting in now might not might get unnoticed by like a Joe Budden and he might be like, yo, Mike Sweeney's just copying my interview skills when like all he's doing is just having a conversation just like Charlemagne. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like their unique perspective and they get the interviews because they're famous. Like if Joe Budden wasn't Joe Budden, a famous rapper and that personality now, he wouldn't get all these interviews. So his no one would know about his interview skills anyway. Yeah. But he is a good interviewer and he's he had a hot 97 show back in the day. I never so really he's good with that him. stuff. I think a lot of these newer uh, interviewers are like kind of like hip hop uh, urban interviewers like your Joe Budden, your Charlemagne's, uh, who's the guy with Rosenberg. Uh Ebro, you know, those kind of guys are better interviewers than like your your old schools, like your James Liptons, your Oprahs, your Larry Kings, your Barbara Walters. Like, if you ask me, I I can't even watch a Larry King interview. I get it; he's a yeah. hundred years old, but he just asks boring, generic questions, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the and the guest will try to go into more depth into something, and he'll just want to go on to the next basic question, like how, like what kind of dog it, you it's have. It's funny, and Charlemagne Stern especially because he just he has something crazy where he just goes he literally old son like, didn't he, care though yeah and he's basically going down the path that you know they don't want to go and the listener is like begging for this and it just like ha- and it's just like you didn't think he was going to go there Charlemagne's the same kind of thing immediately ask about beefs immediately ask about cheating immediately ask about uh, mistakes you've made you literally go right into that stuff it's what makes it a good interviewer and being able to uh get them to to it admit or maybe they've talked about it already talk about stuff just more in depth that was very like kind of top secret what's his name's pretty good too um Vlad that's not bad. Yeah, um, he just wants like the controversial interview. I feel like yeah, it's yeah. just like 
I feel like Charlemagne explains it. Schultz tells it too. Like he gets anxiety if he doesn't say what's on his mind. I feel that. Like you just want to yeah, get it off your chest. What's the point of the interview? Like you, you have to ask the question. Like you really you're, you're letting the streets down. You're letting the fan down. But like I think he evolved over time where he let, asked less sexual questions and he's more personable. And I think you have to. Like look at Stern. He used to like ask all these controversial questions and now he's with this. Now people are calling him Hollywood. But I mean, you hang around so much, you interview so many people, and you're so loaded already. You you can't be like something. You can't always be that person. Like you might have a little in you of that, but you evolve over time. And Stern, like, I understand that. Stern still asks, uh, even though he became a little bit softer. And he's, he like, he's still asks. To. He still asks the controversial, like in depth questions, like when he had like, um, you know, when he has Hillary, he had Hillary on, and was asking like hardcore about decision making for the yeah. for the you know Bin Laden thing, or like when he had Pete Davidson on right when he got with Ariana Grande, and was like, how the f- and he basically, how the fuck did you end up with her? Like, you shouldn't be with her, basically, kind of thing. Like, the stuff you want to ask, you don't want to, like... Yeah. I'm, I'm someone who's interested in come-up stories, but, like, you don't want to ask, like, you know, okay, how's uh, your family, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, And then I feel like people are infatuated with celebrity, and you could tell you could tell me shit. Like, I, I've been a part of, like... I've been co- I've been part of commenting on social media accounts and everything like that, and you could tell people are infatuated with celebrity. Um, but, like, for, like, the Joe Budden thing, I usually stick up for him in, like, hip-hop, but, like, him claiming to reinvent the one-on-one interview style is hilarious. And I'm not I'm not denying the fact that people are inspired off Joe Budden and his podcast, but like to claim people are uh, you know interviewing a certain way now because he was hilarious and like that, that like I said that's a fear of mine. Like uh, someone be like, oh yeah, he's a he's a spinoff of Charlemagne or he's a spinoff of Joe Budden, but like I've been putting in that work, I, even though Charlemagne is inspiring, definitely like don't get it twisted. Like I definitely like his interviews, like his style, and I interviewed him before he's mad cool. But what what do what do these famous people realize? There's like tons of talented individuals who've been like doing their craft before Joe Budden, and like, you know, like these famous people realize there's tons of talented individuals who've been doing their craft like the whole time, and also it's like it's like fucked up. Like they're telling you how to like make it and shit. They're like yeah, you've if you have a following and a YouTube page, and like a lot of these creators don't have a huge following. Like you got to give us some more gems, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, that got me so mad that he was like saying he was one of the best interviews ever. And he's a great interview, but it, it's been paid for him already. And Charlemagne's just as good, if not better. It's also subjective, but still. Um, and then Spotify has a lot of scripted podcasts. And the number one podcast is the Joe Budden podcast, which isn't scripted, and it's all conversation. So for like the comedians out there who want everything scripted, I, I know some people, uh, just know okay. that like sometimes raw conversation can be just as good. Like That's what I try to get out of it and uh, just learn the game through that. And he was saying that he created Spotify pretty much, but it already had like half a million podcasts and Charlie was confused. How did you create Spotify? But he's like, they believed in me and my shit got all the views. So they started making more podcasts. So I guess it's kind of like evens out. I don't know. I just commented on the, uh, the Brandon Jinx. Uh, it's the real, uh, uh, interview and they, it's the, it's the real guys replied. What'd you say? I just said great pod. And then I, and then I basically tagged QBase or I hashtagged us and they said, thanks. Oh my God. It's going to know it's me. You dipshit. Go to keep basement. Follows. I did it for my personal though. Tom Zavia, yeah, yeah, by accident. But then I, I'm going to go do it from Keep Basement. Um, that's funny; they get notifications immediately. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's, that's a smart that's idea a though. Thing. Keeping your fans loyal. It's like when Dane Cook went big with MySpace. It's also smart though. You go on your like, like say for instance, our YouTube doesn't have the most views. You go on that, someone's YouTube with the le- you go you go on the platform with the least views. You probably get a reaction out of that person because they'll see. Theirs aren't crazy. Though. I know that's what I'm saying. And you keep loyal fans. Ow. Yeah. Industry plants next. Keep it basic podcast. Talking about industry plants now. What do you think of industry plants? Like as a comedian, you have to practice your craft on stage all the time. But industry plants, pretty much people who claim to be independent but backed by a label, network, or industry, and someone who's been around, and something hits off. 
Like they get in the doors and they're handpicked <laughs> by higher up executives yeah, baby. to be forced into the game. I think I smell like ass. And become right success. Now. Industry plant pretty much. Someone who gets in the doors and is handpicked by higher up executives to be forced into the game and become a success. They got a handful of connections with others and a huge machine and corporation behind them. Uh, the people believe in the person's talent before they even put music out or comedy, etc. And uh, yeah, so as a comedian, what do you think of industry plants? And do you believe in it? And do you think... Like, as a comedian, obviously, you have to practice your craft on stage all the time. There's no proof. And what do you think of, like, people who make it off of just the merit of having that look, sex appeal, or a following without any real talent at the time or any material? Oh, yeah. Well, that exists in comedy all the time. It's actually funny because I was just listening to a podcast. Uh, I think Ari Shafir, Skeptic Tank, Jessica Kirsten, who just put a comedy special out, was on. And she's an older woman, although she is a lesbian married to a woman. But been doing comedy for twenty years. Finally, just got a special because Bill Burr likes her and and asked, "Can I? You deserve a special. Can I produce it for you?" That's how she got a special. She saw him crush at the Patrice O'Brien. Now, is that is that on her for not branding herself and marketing, or is that the fact like she's just an old school style comedian and like just never amounted to like the marketing appeal to people? You could blame you could blame the network for her not being. So she's relying on a network. So that's not good. No, well, she's a she's a murderer, literally, and, and yeah, she's no, been, I saw her on the show crashing, and she's been doing it forever. The thing is, is the way they were explaining it is if that industry plant kind of stuff you were talking about is yes, and networks are looking to fill a quota, whether it be black, gay, Middle Eastern, Asian, someone else told me, you know, etc. Jessica Kirsten has an example. Mark Norman is was a, saying this about a, a late forty year old uh, lesbian woman, you know, uh, murderer comedian, and you know, the, always looking the Schumer plant. Possibly. Always looking to fill quotas in terms of She's female big female comedians' uh, success. But she might have, but that's what happens sometimes. You have killers that just fly under the radar because the network doesn't search hard enough. That would be, a, that's an example of Jessica Kirsten. Being funny is half the uh, battle, someone said. Or Mark Norman or somebody who's kind of just like, you know, white, whatever, blah, blah. Although she is lesbian, that plays into the quote a little bit. Industry plants, I don't think we've actually had any stern proof of them in terms of it stern being Stern proof? Legit- you taking shots at stern? No, I'm kidding. No, stern's a word. I know. Uh, legitimate proof that they were a plant. It might come out. It might uh, seem like that or, or worked out to look like that, but a lot of them just uh, go unnoticed or you have your 15 minutes of fame. Like, you just mentioned Amy Schumer. Where the fuck is she now? Like, she settled down, had a kid and shit, but, like, she was the, she was world-famous number one comedian. for She had a nice, nice three-, four-year run, but it, then it cools off. Kevin Hart had a rise and fall and then another rise, and now he's the biggest singer in the world. Louis had a rise and fall. You know, he had a, he, granted, he had a weird scandal, but uh, industry plant, the way you described it, I don't think... Is actually a real thing, like the industry. You don't think so, huh? No, like the industry can pick you out because they want they see talent in you and they want you to. Um, they need you for that for uh, okay. to garner an audience. How like if you're fuck? gay or if you're black or if you're whatever. How the fuck? But you're not. It's not like it's not like I'm getting this guy famous. Okay, tell me something. How the fuck was Lizzo on the carpet MTV Award carpet? Before she ever made any music in her life, I have no idea. You don't think like an executive was like, no "Oh, idea. let's get this fat black girl to." Make- I have no idea, but I can also argue that with the fact that I have never heard of Lizzo until this until 2019, and apparently she's been making music for 10 plus years, and she's in her 30s. It's not like she's fucking 16. Yeah, I've never heard of her. There was something going on. They were saying that she has connections in the industry, or whatever. But I mean, Everyone, a own. lot of people have connections. And then also another form of industry plant is Chance the Rapper because apparently he acts as he's independent he off, when he has. It doesn't matter if he fell off; he made it. When you're in, the, you act like you're independent, but you have a huge machine backing you. And he acted like Who's he's independent. He acted like he's independent, but he had a label behind him and an Apple Music contract. So he's like, you know what I mean? I wouldn't say as an industry plant. I would see that as like. A, well, that's an industry plant. Someone who says they're indie, but they have a fucking whole industry behind. Don't believe them. it. Don't believe what anyone says. 
Well, that means they're still in It's like when I run into a comedian, he's like, oh, I had, I'm ha- I had a show the other night, uh, this, that, and the third was there, and I killed, and I'm going to go on to L.A., this, and other thing. I know I hate on Troy Ave a lot. I don't mean to hate on Troy Ave, but no. Troy Ave was an industry plant because like, he bought blog stuff. You buy like all that stuff. You hype your shit up, and the industry fucks with you, and you get the industry behind you, and like XXL put him on the freshman cover, and then the freestyle thing, and then he put an album out for, the, for that. Like it was never like the fact he was so talented. Like they kind of imaged him as the face of Brooklyn and like the new school of Brooklyn. They wanted him to have that image, and he what paid. He paid for a lot of stuff. So it's kind of like your social media influencer nowadays is the new is the new industry plant. But uh, yeah, it's like when you pay for fake followers early on, like an academics or a Mac Miller or the SoundCloud listens or whatever. Yeah, but Charlemagne had all this talent on his show before they were big. Like he oh, he said he saw the star on Cardi B, and Cardi B was doing Instagram videos before ever making music. So Joe Budden was saying that Cardi B could be an industry plant because someone found her, knew she was talented, and then decided, like, yo, you should make music. And uh, was like a stripper until like three years it's ago. It's funny because nah, a lot of people are, are interesting because like they're be, they'll be like big on social media, but their goal is like the DDGs are fat boys, like they're comedians and they already made it on YouTube and make money. Their goal is to be like a rapper. They want to make music. So they get that fucking fame first and then they do what they want to do. But a lot of comedians are ass backwards, but they're good. They want to just be straight up comedians, so they practice their craft all the time, but they have no marketing ability and they have to rely on networks. So it's kind of like a catch twenty two. That's why stand up comedy should, should still be looked at as a skill or a talent because it's just like okay, yeah, but it's not. But I'm good at this. Does a does a lawyer need to market himself? No, he's a good lawyer. Nah, people do. Not always. In comedy, it's someone who's signed to an agency and on TV shows You're and a has criminal specials. defense lawyer. You get a job every day, regardless. In comedy, it's someone who is signed to an agency and on TV shows and has specials, and if and you believe like they. They caught a big break, but really someone paid them off or like they have a whole team behind them. Say there was a comedy label and Chris Rock was on it, Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, Kevin Hart. Netflix? And you see, and you see Tom Zappia on the same label. They'll be like, who the fuck is Tom Zappia? This Whoa, dude, this, I don't know. I, don't, I think I'm up in that, the, in that class. This dude was planted here amongst these great comedians. That's how like industry plays. Okay, but you just use an extreme example that never happened. I'm giving a fucking example for the listener out there who's still confused about what an industry plan is. That's fine. Netflix has a bunch of it's shit like you see like, stuff too, but it has I'm gems. not saying Netflix. I'm saying an agency I'm or like, a, a, like say if you were on a label together, right? And you had like five fucking huge famous comedians, and all of a sudden you got this guy, not to be a dick, but you're like, who's this shitbag? <laughs> this guy must fucking be fucking someone or know someone. It also, could be talented. Plant. It's an industry plant most of the time. That's the example. I don't think you see it like that set in stone. And you never know, even if they're a plant, they could have been busting their ass for the past 20 years. How do you know? That's true. Like like I said, like Lizzo was like maybe funny in a different way, or Cardi B, and they're people are saying they're industry plants when they're really not. They're saying logic. <laughs> Charlamagne said logic's 50% industry plant because he's 50% white. <laughs> I think people, you mean an industry plant, kind of blow up quicker than uh, anticipated or they should have. Nah, that's not it. It's the people who are like, Joe Budden's thing is, it's like not even the big names. It's someone like on Def Jam you never heard of. Like, why the fuck are they there? Oh, they, they, they're planted there because they fit some type of criteria like we're talking about. It's very interesting shit. What do you think of the YG comedian thing? The thing I posted about YG, how he apologized to the LBGT community. And uh, I said, if you were a comedian, you'd probably lose jobs over it. But if the beat's all right, the girl will dance all night. Word to Chris Rock, the classic Chris Rock uh, saying. I feel like rappers have it. I feel like rappers have it easier than comedians because like they can make music and be like sexist or racist or say whatever and then they don't lose their jobs or concerts because it's like music and people are dancing and vibing with it and then comedy it's more authentic and unique not authentic but more like unique and like more personable so people take the words more like harshly and they get fucked over like losing jobs losing sponsorships like like a Shane Gillis like Kevin Hart which is the sad part YG can fucking like call people homos faggots gays lesbians whatever and be like 
okay and still have a fan base and still be loaded and make music and make multiple streams of income but like a, com- a comedian could like they could ruin their whole shit and i don't get double i don't standard. understand it i think it's because of the music the beat like i said yeah double standard but also you still have will have those comedians they won't lose a fan like, apologize. like shane gillis now that's Lu- why louis ck could still sell out madison square garden tomorrow but it's a completely right to double standard because i was just i think it was bill burr on that fucking vine chicks podcast uh the chick that's married to tommy lee Brittany Furlon, she's like some big vine. She was some big vine. Anyway, but they were talking about the exact same thing. It's like stand-up comedy gets like this special thing where it's like jokes get taken seriously, and it's like it should be the last thing on the list. You should never, you should never take comedians seriously. They are literally a jester who was looked at down upon in medieval times or whatever. A little bit more than I, you know, would think. Whatever. But literally, comedians should be at the top of the list since they should be able to say and do whatever they want. You should, they shouldn't be taken anyway. Rappers should be above them. Presidents should be above them. Te- school teachers should be above them. Comedians tell the truth. Like the whole Chris Rock special, he's them. literally just telling the truth but no making shit. it funny. He he would literally. People just, don't realize that it's like it's like Norman says all the time, tellers. or so, somebody says all the time. It's like it's like it's a joke. It's a joke you shouldn't be saying seriously but there's oh every joke starts with a little bit of truth it's really true but it's a funny but it's in a funny way yeah and it doesn't exactly. need to be taken like, seriously cruise, cruise. if a singer is doing a rap song where he's cursing and calling chicks bitches or whatever is he be should he be taken seriously no nah. exactly it's like entertainment but even as a comedian it's entertainment because like look at andrew dice clay it's not really him right like i don't want to be a character myself either but i think it's funny like fucking uh ali g borat is funny and bruno oh, okay. and he's a character but um, it's a character piece. But what's funny is the fact, like, yeah, it's just very interesting how like comedians have it tough. But Chris Rock will really tell you a funny story about how like you don't want to go down Martin Luther King Boulevard in the ghetto if you're white or anybody. And he's true, it's right. But he brings it. He tells a story that's funny. So he's giving you like I like I love like radio people do real radio personalities, real entertainers, creators. They give you the truth. But they give you the joke first or the gem with it. They'll give you the fucking entertainment first. They'll make you laugh and then they'll give you the fucking words of wisdom, which I fuck with mm-hmm. 100%. And that's why I like like Chris Rock specials and like Dave Chappelle and Bring everyone like that. And like some radio personalities Bring like Charlemagne, Howard Stern. Like even, even Howard Stern will make a joke about like a guy jerking off and all day and being a loser. But then saying like you got to prioritize your day and you got to follow like shit you want to do. Yeah. Like, like even when he's like serious, like he'll give you some gems, but he'll keep you entertained. And that's a real entertainer and that's a real creator to me. Yeah. I got some gems before we go. I saw a picture of Holly Berry on Instagram with abs that motivated me to hit the gym, but then I ate mad food, so yeah. She also has a picture of No Bra Club. Really great. She's also a skinny black woman. I was never a big Holly Berry. Here's the words of wisdom, though. Who cares? Here's the words of wisdom that you should clip this. Okay. Let me make sure we're running. I've been learning the game. Okay. Because you got to clip this. I want want this to be clipped. Like, make a whole new video than just this. It's not that long. I'm ready. Ready? Yeah. All right. I'm learning the game. Hang on, hang on. Ready? Three, yeah. Two, one. All right. I'm going to take the glasses off, actually. I'm learning the game. Uh, I did some social media stuff with Entrepreneur, someone verified. I've talked to comedians. I've talked to talented people. I've talked to people in the industry. I've talked to people outside the industry, anti-industry. Three stages to the game. I'm giving you, I'm giving you gems here as Abby's going to get angry. I think I found a formula. Number one, the actual politics of the game and industry and the bullshit you're in, like the industry you're in. Example, you're in the comedy industry, right? Number two, the social media game, your social value. This is fucking important. And how you are perceived marketing yourself and your business or personal brand. I think this might be the most important one, 2020. I know a lot of people are going to get angry. I think this could be even more important than talent. It's fucked up, but it's true. The social media game, your social value and how you are perceived to people and your marketing Yourself, your brand and business, your social proof and social value, very important. You're going to 
follow someone with a million followers who's a motivational speaker over someone with 10 followers who's a motivational speaker. Your Instagram is like your digital resume now or your social media and stuff like that. And that's where people look at you and see if they want to go out and see you too if doing comedy. you got to put it on platforms. Number three, your actual talent level, which is, could be the least important, which is fucked up in many circumstances and cases. Um, but I believe everyone has talent in this room on Keep It Basement besides the intern Sam. I'm just kidding. I had to throw a little joke in there. I'm a hack. But yeah, so number three is the talent. And I think it's obviously important to get that stage time in or that radio time in or the interview time in. But at the end of the day, in 2020, no one's playing fair. We're living in weird times. I feel like the talent's the least and fucking important thing. I feel like it's important, obviously, but the other two are more important. Big number, followers. Number one. No, nah, not even that. Number, number one, the industry. You got to learn the game. You got to learn the industry. Even though if you're anti-industry, you got to know the you got to know the shit. You got to know the shit how the shit stirs. Number two, social media, marketing yourself, branding yourself, which is really important. And number three, the actual talent. I think I found the formula. Wait, what was the second one? Are you serious? Social media, marketing yourself. You fucking suck. <laughs> and that was it, really. And then I just say, I, I just believe, like you know, the talent will speak for itself. True. But now more than ever, you have to be your own fan. I've, I've talked to many people. Confidence is key. You have to be your own fucking fan. Yeah. And Talk you gotta it up. promote yourself. Promote. It's not even. And what do up. I know though? Don't listen to me. But I'm just trying to help you out. But I can't give you too much advice because I get fucking yelled at for it. Keep it basement. Genius words from the Sweens. Gems. All right, guys. You believe in it? Yeah. That's the episode. Keep it basement. Rate, subscribe. I learned this from commenting on an entrepreneur's page, getting top comments, getting him a lot of traction and a lot of views. I learned it from interviewing comedians, talking to comedians behind the scenes that didn't want to say gems on camera. And I've learned from people in the radio game on camera and off camera and just learning through certain podcasts and shows and stuff like that and just learning the game. I learned it from. Facts. And I'm there to back it up. All right, guys. That's the episode. Keep it basement. Shout out to Fleshlight. Check them out. Subscribe. Tell your friends. We'll be back next week. Coming up, we got guests slotted the next few weeks. So look forward to pictures and new guests. and and A lot of of women. And promoting. A lot of women coming up. Giving me advice. A lot of bro talk. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. And there's going to be clips out daily. So stay tuned to the IG and YouTube. Keep it basement. We out.